Welcome. I want to touch on the spirit of giving back a bit. In bonus content over 12 days, I am challenging myself to bring people forward in stories on angelically giving, 12 days of tales of love and generosity. In this series, witness the unveiling remarkable story of 12 individuals who have triumphed over adversity and despite facing their own trials, have chosen a path of faith and selfless giving. Welcome. Um, I'm going to go in really, really, really hard with a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, this is Jennifer Turzo. She is a certified nurse case manager for a Florida-based managed care organization specializing in maternal and child health. Hi, Jen. How are you? Or Hello. <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am good. So I know that we've talked in depth about what my quest is on this 12-day journey, and that's to basically give people the, the support that they need for giving back and giving back on so many different levels. It's not all the time that it's a, a, a you know, giving funds or giving time. Sometimes it's just acts of kindness and uh, changing their work and, and trials and tribulations that have brought them to where they are now to be able to do that. Um, so why don't you give us an introduction and share a little bit about your background and anything that you face in the journey? So I am a registered nurse. I have been a nurse. This will be my, this is my 10th year as a registered nurse. Um, what brought me into the field of nursing was before I was a nurse, I worked for my father's medical device company and I was responsible for working with international distribution partners. And one of our international distribution partners that worked in Latin America, he did a he also had a, um, a nonprofit organization where he provided free services, treating patients in different Latin American countries with the products that my company sold. So my first exposure to patient care was through this relationship that I had with this distribution partner. So he would fly me down to like Guatemala or um, different areas. We went to Peru, um, lots of different areas where he would basically treat hundreds of patients over a week for free um, for their diabetic foot conditions. So it was that exposure to like the humanity and person to person interaction of healthcare that really made me or called me rather to the field of nursing. So I went back to school to become a nurse after working at that organization for eight years. Is that where you learned all that Spanish from? That's where I learned my Spanish skills. This young lady here speaks better Spanish than some Spanish people I know. I just have to say. And the funny story, I don't know if you want to go back and tell the story of um, our, um, our uh, I don't know, the spark that flew between you and I. I don't know if you want to go back and tell that story. Yeah. Our, our crazy story of, 
patient care and how we connected. Why don't you tell it? <laughs> so one day, Jen happened to be my charge nurse, and um, I was uh, a I was in the on the floor, and she was no 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 you were an OBEB that day, and I was on the floor, and you had a patient that was Spanish speaking only, and um, you brought her over, and you said she's one of your people. <laughs> And, and we got her in the room and we got her situated and she was losing her crap. She was just losing it. And um, I told her in Spanish and I didn't know that you spoke Spanish at the time. And I told her in Spanish, stop acting crazy. And then we delivered her and whatever. And then later on that day, it was my turn, or you brought over another patient. I was freed up, and you brought over another patient, except she was one of your people, and yeah. she was a hot mess, too. And I turned around and looked at you and said, she's one of your people. Yeah, yeah I'll take care of this one. <laughs> you need to take care and get her under control. My secret Spanish, it's my ace in the sleeve. I know. That's great. But you know what? I, I Like I said, uh, your journey into nursing, it definitely sounds like you, you had uh, a lot going on, you know, you were doing DME, which is completely different than nursing. So mm -hmm. that was like, you had to uh, apples and oranges, you had to learn a whole new tree, basically. Yes. And it was DME for our major markets were diabetes, diabetic foot, neuropathy, and wound care. So that was what all of my um, like clinical understanding while not being a nurse was in. So my goal was to become a nurse so that I could continue in that space. And I loved working with older, the older population. And I really was fascinated with wound care. So originally when I went to nursing school, that's what I thought I was going to nursing school for, to the end goal to do wound care. And now I... Um, can say that I work with the complete opposite of what I thought I was going to do when I started. You know, now I work in maternal child health as now I work as a case manager after working as a labor and delivery nurse or in outpatient um, women's health care for eight years. So I've done uh, maternity case management for the last two and a half. So very different than my original um, plan of wound care. I was going to say much different. Any um, any aspects of adversity that you may have faced along the journey? Um, I think in terms of adversity, you know, we, when I talked about my plan, you know, you look back and you see how our plans often don't come to fruition. And when we're planning our plans, um, you know, sometimes we can feel disappointed when what the outcome, the short-term outcome might not meet with what our plan was. And for me, um, I have found that there have been moments in my career where I was originally very um, saddened or upset with different transitions in my career, we'll say that. Um, but then after, you know, 
I have found that now in my situation after being here for two and a half years, I really feel like this position and role that I'm in is, um, it really was, you and I say it all the time, you know, that the outcome I want is the outcome for my greatest good. Yep. And when I was working in the hospital before, I was always challenged by meeting patients in triage who I could just tell were not being cared for well at their provider's offices. So for me, I felt this, this big gap that so many patients I was meeting were um, experiencing. And through this role now as a case manager, I'm able to connect with my um, families early on in pregnancy, you know, sometimes even like six to eight weeks, like obviously very early. And I'm able to establish a relationship with them and kind of guide and educate, advocate um, for them throughout their entire pregnancy and even into their postpartum um, periods. Wow. So these challenges really did shape your perspective um, on on pretty much on life um, and going with the flow of things. And then yeah. and you're giving back because uh, now you're giving back at a different level. <clears throat> can, you t- can you describe a specific moment or an event that inspired you or cultivated you in giving back? So... When I was investigating other opportunities, other ways that I, and for me, giving back, I know we have talked about this before. A lot of people feel like giving back has to be something monetary. You know, we get all these things in the mail, like asking for donations to buy people's, you know, holiday meals or this or that. And while, of course, it is so important to help fund these organizations because, you know, they thrive off donations, I feel like a lot of people know, don't realize that just how you are and how you hold yourself in the world and the jobs that you um, jobs that you do, how you interact with people that you meet out in public. I mean, you can give back through all of those interactions. So you don't have to have monetary, you know, a lot of us don't have a lot of extra money right now with the way the um, economies are. And so you know, for me, I try and give back through actions through, you know, and for me with finding this opportunity, I remember asking a patient, you know, why did you come? That's always the question in triage. Like, you know, you want to assess people, what changed that you decided that you needed to come for evaluation in this one patient told me, well, my nurse, my insurance company nurse told me that I needed to come. And I was like, you have an insurance company nurse, insurance companies provide nurses to, you know, to work with women that are pregnant. And she was like, yes. And so that's what kind of sparked me to learn about this whole new world about managed care. And that, um, you know, what case management was and is and how you can, um, like I said, impact, I feel like I can impact people on a, on a broader, on, on a broader level than I did when I was working as an inpatient nurse. What, um, how has that interest grown over time that now you're actually working in the field? So now you're actually in the the thick of it. What have you seen or what have you, uh, you know, uh, tapered or, uh, grown into what has changed? 
I think for me, I have a very, uh, someone, one of my managers at work called me a bulldog. And <laughs> no, I would say more chihuahua. No, no. <laughs> She's like, you know, you just find, you know, whenever you experience problems, you want to solve them. She's like, you are a advocate and you fight for what is right and what is just. And I feel like, again, there are a lot of, there is a lot of discrimination in healthcare and in maternity and the type of care that different um, people receive. Um, all of the women that I work with are covered under a managed care plan, which for, if you don't know what the phrase managed care means, that is um, synonymous with Medicaid. So all of the members I work with are covered under Medicaid. And when I worked in the hospital, I experienced and um, experiences instances where I could tell that patients with Medicaid were being treated differently than a privately insured uh, patient was. So for me, I have also worked in an office where we had a very small to no Medicaid population. And I know what, you know, what we did, we followed evidence-based practices, everybody received you know, gold star, ACOG, um, aligned care. And unfortunately, the members that I serve do not receive quite often that same level of gold star ACOG care. So one of my roles is to make sure that um, my members are receiving the type of care that they should be. Uh, so that involves me sometimes contacting physician um, practices and reaching out to providers to make sure that members are getting the things that um, they need to get throughout their pregnancy. Well, clearly nobody's called animal control yet. So we Okay. <laughs> I still have my job. Two and a half years later, I'm still Two there. And a half years, nobody's called animal control. I'm still here. So I think your bulldogging is working. You and I have spoken off uh, offline on um, subjects such as healthcare literacy, and I I think that that's so great because it's something, believe it or not, that you opened my eyes to long ago. Um, that we're not all speaking the same language, and I feel like. Now that you're in this role and uh, seeing you grow and develop into the mature bulldog that you are, um, I really see that uh, perspective and healthcare literacy that that you have pointed out to me, and you know you're you're realizing it more. So, with that being said, what impact do you hope that your acts of being this bulldog nurse, like what? What what do you hope to give back to something as important as like healthcare literacy as what we're talking what we've always talked about? Well, I think as healthcare providers, we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard, you know, and that we need to continue to do everything that we can to continue to educate ourselves on best practices and also cultural competence. And not only cultural, really, it's like socioeconomic as well. You know, people are the people we work with quite often, you know, they don't have the same level of education as us. So it's up to us to be able to communicate in a way to them that they understand. Um, so when I work with members, I have to be really cautious to, um, you know, it's not like talking to you, 
you know, we have to be very, I have to be very clear and direct and make sure that they understand what I'm saying. Um, and I think when you are not used to speaking to people either of another culture than you or another socioeconomic status than you, you are, you can be surprised at how um, ineffective your communication may be. And when I was really up my entire life until I started at my new organization, I always said, you know, you should treat other people how you want to be treated. And then I attended a presentation about cultural competency and um, it actually said you should not be treating other people how you would like to be treated because they may not like to be treated the same way that you want to be treated. So what you should be doing is you should be asking someone how they would like to be treated. Oh, that, so, that's bad. Yeah. That's a, that is super important. Yes, exactly. So, um, so for me, I think that again, you know, I just call anyone who's working in the healthcare profession to really continue to educate yourself in areas that can help you better communicate with the patients that you serve. And for me personally, I, I always lead with kindness and I have so many members of mine that have told me that I'm like one of their handful of support people or people that has shown them that they cared about them. And I think that a lot of the caring has been removed in healthcare. I know the office that I used to work with, they had 10 minute slots to see patients, you know, not a lot of, not a lot can be done in that 10 minutes of time, you know, and in the hospitals, everything is, you know, nurses have a high caseload physicians and um, nurse practitioners and other providers, they have huge daily census. And I think, you know, one of the big things that I feel like is lost is that humanity is connecting with someone on a genuine basis. And um, that's really how I try and always connect with my members. And I feel like because I because I have done a lot of work to improve my own communication and learning about myself and learning about others, I feel like, you know, we're not all that different. And um, I really just so much enjoy what I'm doing right now and helping the families that I work with learn more about themselves, but also be able to advocate for themselves and make sure that they can, once our cases close, know how to navigate the healthcare system so that they can continue to have their best foot forward for their own health. Well, I think you really just answered what I was going to ask next was like how giving back has shaped your perspective and and life. And I'm going to take a moment because like, you know, you know, I'm very much uh, into my spirituality and into um, my, just my purpose in life. And I think that everybody has that. And it takes me back to um, the book of Esther and in, in Esther, if I can read in Esther um, four, it says, and you know that you have come into your royal position for such a time as this. It's Esther four fourteen, And it's a verse that I feel applies to you because who would have known way back when 
I met you, that you would have come into your royal position for such a time as this. I, I mean, what? Facing After facing all of the challenges that you have faced, even going into nursing school and that just, you know, con complete difference in what you were doing to going to nursing school and, and shaping yourself into the nurse that you are today, what advice would you give on finding strength to give back despite personal, professional hardships? I would, I always, my, I like to use the word embody and I feel like embody is kind of one of these like woo -woo words and I hate to use it, but it's, you know, for me again, it's just that there are ways to give back that are not straightforward or traditional. And I would just encourage everyone to, in all of the interaction that mm -hmm. you have to, to show up as a kind and compassionate person because you never know what your impact on someone may be. Um, and I think in nursing, you know, we have such a blessing where we, as especially labor and delivery nurses, you know, get to be part of such a special time in people's lives. You know, it's something that we do day after day, shift after shift. I mean, I don't know how many births, how many births do you think that you've attended? So I was actually, I had a, a funny conversation about this um, with someone. I don't know what they're doing in Kansas, but I literally was there for 90 days and I probably did anywhere between 75 to 80 births. Yeah. So I, I guess we have to just guesstimate by year how much it would be. Um, but we impact a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, it could be like up to 500 a year. And, it, I and, say, yeah. and, you know, what I would always and how I feel as, again, an, an, a nurse who has worked inpatient, outpatient, and now I work on the managed care insurance side. You know, we as nurses, we're, we are the, we are the human connection. You know, people are in distress. People are scared. People are concerned. And they're in a scary situation that, again, when we talked about earlier health literacy, you know, we might understand or recognize that what their concern is, we know it's not really a concern, you know, right, we're just going to give them, you know, some, a cranberry juice cocktail, and we know that they're going to get better. And who does that? And who does that? I don't know who does that. But the people who come into the hospital, they're scared, you know, they're not working three, four, 12 hour shifts a day, they haven't had the ed education we had. So I really think compassion and nursing and, you know, they talk so much about compassion fatigue. Um, so, you know, I would say to nurses, especially is don't lose your compassion. And when you try to engage with everyone, you know, whether it be someone at the grocery store or wherever they may be in a compassionate way, then that I feel like will, help you embody that spirit so that you don't have that compassion fatigue at the hospital, which is, I feel like when nurses lose their compassion, it's time for them to change, um, change their profession or change their situation because that's our responsibility. That's and if you feel like, yeah, if you can't do that anymore for whatever reason, you know, you owe it to the, the people that are coming in to either try and reset yourself or, you know, find some, find a, find a different role. 
I had a friend once tell me when I first started nursing, I probably, uh, well, uh, everybody knows my story. I was an LPN before I was an RN. So I had worked six years as an LPN and went back to RN school. And somebody in RN school that I met once told me when we were talking about the reasons for becoming a nurse, he was a, um, a social uh, social worker, like he didn't have an official title, a bachelor's degree in sociology, and he was able to work with troubled teens. And he, when when I asked him, he said, um, and put it so simply that has followed me, it's been a mantra in my life sometimes, um, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's something that has stuck with me throughout my years of nursing because when I stop loving what I do, and it's not necessarily stop loving, but when you stop really putting forth, when, when you, that compassion is sort of leaving, then it's time to change, which is why I changed from working as an ICU nurse to then going into labor and delivery 10 years ago. It was kind of, that was one of my, one of my biggest things was I, I was, I was so exhausted with seeing death that it's just life. Yeah. It's- it's very challenging to have that type of self-reflection. And, you know, of course, there are things that are bigger than us that are organizational and level that contribute to nurse burnout. It's not just that, you know, nurses just become burnt out. It's not only because you haven't maintained, you know, your humanity and whatnot. There are additional things that, you know, weigh on us and cause these things to happen, you know, but having that ability to self-reflect like you did, you know, it, it keeps you, it keeps you, um, fresh and nursing is such a interesting profession in that you can do so many things and work in so many areas. Um, so I feel like that both of us really have been following a path that may not have been how we planned it. And ultimately it keeps resulting in, you know, growth and our reach to provide that care and compassion to people, which ultimately is, you know, why I got into this field. I was going to say this, it it almost seems like this field chose, chose you. Um, Have, have you seen that it's shaped or molded your communication styles or your um, reaching out styles? differently than you would have as a bedside nurse? I think that when I was working as a bedside nurse, I, for me, again, I, I like to help people that I first, that I feel like are really in need of help. You know, for, for me, I always loved taking care of the patient that no one else wanted. No, that was too difficult. That was, you know, for whatever was being said at the nurse's station, those are the types of patients I feel personally that I always was able to connect with. Um, And I feel like that has been a journey for me because ultimately people who um, are in those types of situations, they need, they need more, they need more care. They need someone to listen they need empathy. Uh, they need a lot of things. So for me, a lot of the patients that I have now remind me of those types of patients in the hospital, which is right. the type of person that I feel like, to me, I feel the most benefit in working with because you can see the most improvement 
Um, you know, when there's a family that comes in for their birth and they have support, they have their partner, they have their mother, they have their sister, their siblings, and their they have all the things that they need. They have their Veer Bradley baby bag. They have they have a they have a house to go back to. They don't have any past due bills. They don't have any stress. You know, those types of patients to me, I feel like they're, you know, I would be there to support them, of course. However, I felt for me, I wanted to work with the, you know, the moms who did not have those type of situations because they were really the ones that needed my support. I felt like I could give to them where, you know, there's not much to give someone who kind of has everything that they need. Um, so I feel like there's so many people out there that don't have what they need, that don't have a support system that are stressed with their everyday life that to me, I feel like my interactions with them can make such a, such a big Delta in their, in their lives. So those are the types of people I like to focus on. And I think that's great. I mean, it doesn't, it's not even like we're appealing to a lesser of us. I feel like we're just being human uh, humanitarians. That's kind of, I mean, you know, and, and when I know you don't like the word embody, but I think that when you embody something like nursing, you're embodying that whole being a humanitarian, being a people person. You're a basically a servant. You know, um, your you assert your servitude level is high, and um, I think that sometimes when we are in opposition or we have different cultural differences, uh, you know, sometimes it makes it like, you know, I think you said it earlier where you said, uh, we have to get away from the treating people as we would like to be treated and treating them as that they need to be treated. Um, when you come into when different, you know, different cultural competencies, different, uh, even demographic competency, you know, some people from the let's say some people from the Midwest, you know, they, even something as small as them eating dinner, what I've realized is they eat supper and they eat supper like around three o'clock. Where us in Florida, we eat dinner probably between five, six or seven. And it's usually on a tiki dock somewhere with the margarita in hand. And when you're doing something as, as uh, important as like insulin, like for me, when you're doing something as important as insulin at the bedside, you may not realize that you have to taper your schedule to their schedule. And I mean, that's something small, but it's almost a compassion. Like, Hey, I know that you like to eat your supper at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Why don't you call me when you're ready? And we'll get all of your things that we would normally do in the evening. We'll do it a little bit earlier. Even something as small as that does not take any money. does not, it just takes your time to be able to think it out. And I feel like that's, that's one of the first parts of giving back. Like, you know what I mean? I'm giving up my time. I'm giving up, I'm giving up thinking the way that I would culturally or normally do it because I'm thinking about that other person. Right. And by doing that, you're going to not only connect with them, but your outcomes are going to be better because you're speaking in a way that makes sense to them. I'm telling you that I, I don't know why <clears throat> this is probably the third time I've said it to get today, but I feel like you're going to do really big things when it comes to healthcare literacy. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited for you because I just feel like that's the next stage of your development. 
but what that's just me but what are your future plans and aspirations um on continuing to give in efforts to give back and growing so i'm not sure i go back and forth of different things that i would like to do and what level of education that I need to do the things that I would like to do. Ultimately, I want to impact the greatest amount of people um, with the time and effort that I have. Um, However, I, again, I got into nursing because of the one-on-one patient connection. I mean, I had... I remember before I left the hospital, someone told me I was not going to like this job because it wasn't um, like it wasn't almost that it wasn't crazy enough or busy enough or something. And it's really, yeah, I really, again, I, so many days I'll wrap up and I'll be telling my, um, my fiance, like, oh, I had the best day. I did this, this, and this, like, I got so many things done. I called this office. I got this um, set up for this patient, I connected with another patient and she shared with me some like very meaningful history. And I was able to get her some support related to the things that she said. So it's, I, I love working with patients and with people. So I, I'm always trying to balance that. Well, should I go back to school? Should I get this? Um, One of the things I'm doing right now is I connected with a new nonprofit organization. They're called Postpartum Peace of Mind, and they incorporated in April of this year. And their goal is to provide equitable postpartum care focusing around like material items like postpartum supplies, but also postpartum mental health to women of color. And... They are based in South Florida, and I inter- I became engaged with them because I referred one of my members to them, and I was able to talk with one of the founders who she and I just hit it off because we both are so passionate about maternal health care and reducing disparities in maternal health care and improving outcomes for women of color in, um, in pregnancy and postpartum. And after talking with her a few times, she asked me if I would participate with them in their organization as they grow. And now I'm serving as a board member of the organization. So that for the short term, that's what I'm going to be working on. In addition to my role at my organization, I have found I was blessed really to be connected with this group and We'll look forward to helping to grow this group and the reach of the group so that we can help as many um, women that we come into contact with. And how, I mean, that's fantastic information. And for those who didn't um, hear the name of the organization, it was called Postpartum Peace of Mind um, in Florida, in case anybody has anybody to refer to them. How do you hope mm-hmm. to inspire others to follow a path of kindness and generosity at the level that you are now? I would just say that again, I you know, we all are in our own worlds. We all have our own stresses and our own challenges in our own life and when you're working in a field like nursing, like healthcare, um You know, I just challenge and encourage everyone to be open 
you know, to have an open heart when you interact with, um, with patients because they, um, you know, I remember so often, you know, people talking at the nurse's station about different patients in the room. And, um, you know, I think there really is a culture of almost like dehumanization of patients. Um, and I think that if, all of the nurses, you know, if we worked on connect, genuinely connecting with the patients and not seeing it as, you know, room one, room two, room three, um, you know, really making an effort when we come on to our shift or our, our day, wherever we're working, just to connect with, with people because most often they're scared. And, um, you know, it's our, if you are very adept at being able to connect with people, a lot of their walls will come down and you will realize that, you know, what was a very difficult patient um, is now a patient who is very easy, um, you know, to care for because you've been able to kind of break those barriers and connect with them. You know, one of the things I do with every one of my members that I come in contact with at the very beginning of my call is I congratulate them on the pregnancy and I know that a lot of members of mine, you know, have told me that, you know, that's not something that a lot of people say to them, especially in healthcare. Um, I think a lot of people are made to feel like they're a burden, especially if they're on Medicaid. And, um, you know, I don't think they really feel like loved or like that they matter. So I think a really big important thing is, you know, to always let people know that they matter and that, you know, interact with people in a, in a, in a way that makes them realize that. Yeah. I, I was uh, researching um, the uh, ways to build on um, what we talked about, like when it comes to healthcare literacy, like, you know, putting that patient first and, and putting their needs first and sometimes even their literacy levels. And um, I came on a statement, uh, actually, healthcare literacy has been listed in the 20 in Healthy People 2030 initiatives, addressing the, um, the personal healthcare literacy in organizations and their responsibilities to ensuring that uh, healthcare literacy is actually being attainable um, for, you know, as a best practice. And it says trust is an important part of a person's willingness to engage in care and behavior mm -hmm. and to health. And I feel like if we are able to build a trusting relationship with our patients, they may be, we, in essence, we can promote better healthcare just in that alone. Um, so I guess that's, I think that's something that's really important. And uh, um, definitely we need a lot more uh, national action plans to uh, improve healthcare period, but maybe we need to start at a healthcare literacy level. So I'm excited at your level, what you're doing and, and maybe, uh, joining forces with others and in, in, in improving what you're doing and the communication styles and everything you're learning. I think a lot of people can learn from you. And I, I think that that's such a great closing, just the love part of it that you put into the work that you're doing now. I think that's so, I, like I said, I, I, my hat's completely, completely off to you and on a personal, because you know, I love you like a sister. Otherwise I think that, what you're the work that you're doing is great and and if nobody has told you you are definitely considered an earth angel for the change that i the personal change that i've seen in you over the last 
years and, and the experiences that you're experiencing now, the stories that you tell, even the funny memes that, uh, it, you know, have just changed or the funny stories when we used to, you know, like I said, going back to what you were saying about the nurse's station, sitting at the nurse's station, talking about patient in room one, patient in room two, where now you're able to put a name behind the face. And mm -hmm. like you actually, you know, you you're embodying putting that name behind the face. And I like to use that word a lot, but maybe it's because you're using it a lot. <laughs> But yeah, I, and I think, yeah, really, it's just, again, it's, I mean, it's not that hard, you know, you just have to, and, and I think you're totally right. Trust is like, is number one, is being able to build trust and rapport with someone. I was reading uh, an article about trauma-informed care, and the author was saying, you know, nobody owes you their story. So when we do our assessments, I know a lot of people are kind of in a groove. They've asked these questions so many times. And I think that, you know, again, if you just always kind of work to establish that trust, you're going to do better at your assessments and better connecting with your patients. Um, but if you just kind of go into it rattling off questions, people are not likely to open up or be receptive to any of your you know, your interventions, because you have, you've missed that first step of, you know, establishing trust. Absolutely. I think, I mean, like I said, the work that you're doing now on a, a managed healthcare level is, it's, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, people only wish that they could delve into a bunch of different things. Like if I had seven days a week to have seven different jobs managed, uh, uh, working in, in a level that you're working at to work directly with, consumers on the, I would love to do that too. So um, for anybody who is listening that may want more information, because now my girl Jen is a certified case manager. So if anybody wants information on that, contact me, I can get the information to uh, from her um, uh, to, to make that dream happen for you. And if anybody has any um, impact that they want to share on to Jen, I will definitely pass the messages to her and I just want to thank Jen for sharing her story and for being an earth angel and giving back now at a different level and realizing all of her talents and putting them to the work that she does as a servitude for others, for especially in the area of women and children that I know that she's super passionate in. So I want to thank you again, Jen, for talking to us and more to come from you. See, I see. Oh, yes, that sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a blessing for me to be able to, participate in your podcast. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed Jen's story as much as I did. I love what God is doing in her life and changing her platform so that she is able to serve her community on a different level. Join us as we continue this journey with other stories, other amazing earth angels, and, 